This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 63 with Dave Navot. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today and we will be discussing how to generate recurring income streams from a software business, how to manage virtual teams and how to find partners and build high performance teams for your business and we'll also be looking how to use SaaS to get rich and also share insightful information when building your company. My guest today is Dave Navot, the co-founder of Hubstaff, a time-tracking software company for remote teams. Hubstaff allows managers to see the time spent on projects, screenshots, activity levels and in-depth reports and timesheets. Dave is an entrepreneur on fire and have started building companies since 2004 with his first success coming at the age of 23. So he's going to be sharing a lot of valuable information of how to start building a business while you're still employed in your spare time and eventually take that full time along with all the other valuable information that he's going to cover. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can email me at info at cashflowninja.com or send me a tweet on Twitter at MC Lobsher. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at cashflowninja.com or texting cashflowninja, one word, all capitalized, to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. As some of my listeners may know, I live in Newtown, Pennsylvania, a town that's about 45 minutes away from Philadelphia, the birthplace of the United States, the home of the cheesesteak, the Rocky Steps, and also the hometown of the beloved founding father, Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin believed an investment in knowledge pays the best interest and early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. The Cashflow Ninja have aligned itself with partners that aims to empower you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. A healthy partner on it provides supplements, nutrient-dense, and earth-grown foods and fitness equipment to help you achieve your next level of well-being and total human optimization. Our listeners can get a 10% discount with coupon code GETONIT at CashflowNinjaHealth.com. Our wealthy partner, Fundrise, gives everyone the opportunity to invest directly in high-quality real estate without the middleman. Fundrise makes the process of investing in the highest-quality commercial real estate from around the country simple, efficient, and transparent. You can get started with as little as $1,000, and you do not have to be an accredited investor to participate in some of their offerings. You can check them out at CashflowNinjaWealth.com. And don't forget our wise partner, Audible. You can download any audiobook for free when you try Audible for 30 days. You can download your free audiobook download 
at cashflowninjabook.com. If you want to support our show, you can also do your Amazon shopping through our homepage at cashflowninja.com forward slash Amazon. We're entering the holiday season and your support is greatly appreciated. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to the Cashflow Ninja Podcast with your host, MC Lobsher. You must be prepared to ignite. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Can you please share a little bit about your background and your journey as an entrepreneur? Yeah, so uh, I mean, right now it's 2016, I guess, so I started you know, way back in 2003. So I've been doing this a long time now. Um, started with the golf e-commerce site, uh, selling uh, videos, training aids, eBooks, uh, all about golf instruction. So uh, grew, I, I mean, I was a, you know, 20, 23 year old kid. So um, it, and it took off, uh, did really well for me. And so it was like, I just got hit with all of these things in terms of um, online advertising and, you know, search optimization, digital, anything to do with digital marketing, branding, copywriting, you know, uh, building products, all these things hit me uh, because we created all of our own products. So there's a lot going on. Um, that business did really well for, for a long time, all the way up to 2009. Um, about that time, I uh, got in with some investors, bought um, a software platform, a software uh, uh, search optimization platform. Um, we, I ran that personally. Um, for uh, probably four or five years um, and got into Hubstaff kind of halfway through running that um, and started building Hubstaff. And now I run Hubstaff exclusively. Um, all of these businesses have been in the range of, you know, 1.5 to, you know, $3 million in, you know, revenue. So, you know, small businesses, but profitable online digital marketing slash software businesses and, you know, it's been interesting. It's been a good ride. Now, did you start out right away or uh, did you work somewhere I, yeah, and I had then a, start build your business? My, I, my uh, schooling is in finance. And so I uh, started working in corporate finance up in Chicago uh, for a large pharmaceutical company. Um, I just didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't feel challenged. I didn't feel creative. I didn't, I just felt like I was just doing a job. It, I looked around at, you know, uh, guys that were, you know, 35 at that time, 40 years old and just thought to myself, man, you know, I just don't want to do this. And so that's what kind of what made me branch out. Um, I, you know, I bought a course online about how to do this and, and it, it was kind of like one of those things just at the right you know, place at the right time. Um, at that point in time, back in 2003, all this stuff was brand new, you know, and, and it, it just worked out well for me with a lot of hard work, of course. Exactly. So that's great. So you made a decision. You said, this is definitely not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Right. And then the important takeaway here too, is you took action. You went online, you did some research, uh, got a course, um, did you have any mentors that guided uh, you through no, this process too? No, my dad bought me the course. He knew I wasn't happy in my job. He bought me the course. It was like 500 bucks. Um, I, you know, I, he made me promise that I would implement it if I, if he bought it. And I said, you know, Hey, I'll do it. And I did it. Um, and it, you know, I should say too, I mean, I was working, I was still working, you know, when I was building up this business. So I didn't quit my job until, 
this business was bringing in probably six thousand dollars a month, right. and so I was making more. Yeah. Oh, great. Now, you obviously had a lot of success in the digital space. Uh, for my listeners out there that's not familiar with SEO, can you just explain a little bit just what that is as well? Yeah, it's just, it's just uh, helping you get more visibility on, uh, these days, pretty much Google. Uh, you know, Yahoo, Google, Bing are the three big ones, but uh, just raising the ranks um, for your natural search positions in, in those sites. And now, can you explain to my listeners, too, we discussed, talked a little bit before about SAAS and what it is and how yeah. to use this um, recurring income software business model to create income streams? Yeah, I mean, that is a very deep topic. But basically, you know, it just referred to as SaaS. It's uh, software as a service. That's what it stands for. Um, and basically what the key of it is, is that um, it is a month, typically a monthly um, membership to in exchange for software, in exchange for uh, access to software. Um, it could be very well um, annual plans as well, but for the most part these days it's monthly. Um, think anything um, in terms of, you know, like a Netflix type thing. You know, if you're totally unfamiliar with online software, Netflix would be a good example. You know, you pay monthly, you get a service, and then they bill you again at the end of the month. Gotcha. Now, if somebody has an idea, because somebody might be listening to this show and think, well, I have an idea kind of similar for a software, how would they, they get started? And in your experience, what's the best way to find team members like programmers and coders to help you uh, build this software? Yeah, I think, you know, the the route I went, and I've been educated on this a lot because I have been through it with a few different, you know, a few different times. But, you know, what I did, um, I, there, there's different routes, right? Like you could go through the, the thought process of saying, I'd rather keep all of my equity or give away very small parts of it, raise money, um, and then pay somebody directly to help build the, the platform. Um, at the end of the day, with that scenario, you keep more equity, you know, and you're kind of the sole owner. What I've found is that that's a really hard model. Um, what I've found works best and has worked best for me is to basically go to somebody and partner with them, split the, split the, uh, the equity up up front. And then, you know, one person will work on their specialty, which in my case was online marketing, digital marketing. And then the other person works on their specialty, which in, in this case is software. And these days, um, you know, at this point, we have like 30 employees. So basically, you know, my partner, I found him on LinkedIn. Okay. I wanted somebody local to my area that, uh, that I could go have beers with, you know, uh, right. that kind of thing. I did not want somebody across the world or across the country. Now, that was just a personal preference that I made, a uh, personal decision that I made. You don't, it, by no means do you have to. It's much more about finding the right person and their work ethic, I think. But, um, you know, I chose for somebody local, and at the end of the day, that's worked out great for me. Um, he runs the whole technical side of the business, and I run the whole marketing and operations side. Gotcha. 
Now let's jump into your company, Hubstaff. Can you tell us a little bit more about Hubstaff and what problems you solve through your products and services? And does the problem pain that you guys are solving come from a personal experience? Yeah, it does definitely come from a personal experience. You know, I, as I ran the golf company, um, I had, I think at that point in time, you know, with that company, I think I had like 10 employees. I never knew what anybody was doing. We were a remote company. I never knew what anybody was working on. Um, I could never push them to work on the right priorities. I felt like Um, I didn't, I struggled to get updates in terms of what was actually going on in terms of the projects without having to spend my entire life, uh, you know, managing somebody. I don't like managing people. I don't like having to follow up and, and have meetings. I hate meetings in general. Right. Um, and so I like to spend my time moving any, moving things forward, you know, and I find that meetings aren't the best way to do that. So, uh, what, what, um, you know, what Hubstaff does is basically helps you manage a remote team. So it tracks time. Um, it's, it's a desktop application for Windows, Mac, Linux. We have iOS, Android, uh, Chrome, and then all of this gets thrown into a server, which then you log into. And as your team tracks time to projects, you can understand what's going on. It takes screenshots of their computer so you can see the screenshots. It takes uh, activity levels so you can see, you know, how active they are on their computer, um, apps, URLs, you know, mobile apps or GPS. So we have everyone from, you know, a- agencies are our biggest clients. So people that um, sell services, design websites, do digital marketing for other people because their main, um, I-, I guess their main component is labor. You know, they have to hire people to to build the websites and do the actual marketing. So they need a way to track their time. In many cases, those those eight companies are remote themselves. So basically, they need to understand, you know, how much time did this person work? And then they take that time component and then they can do everything from paying their employees automatically to invoicing their clients. And so we really help run their whole business for them you know, in a way. You know, we are kind of the nuts and bolts behind their their businesses. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, this elegant solution, obviously, that you guys came up is for people that build their organizations virtually. And, well, yeah. I mean, that, the, that definitely the way to go in the information age. Can you share a little bit from experience some strategies uh, to build efficient and productive virtual teams? Uh, yeah. You know, the main thing is the main thing is getting people that that are hard workers and honest up front, you know, that's obviously very important, um, especially in a remote environment. Um, the other thing is that is making sure that they're working on the right priorities. Uh, if you're in a remote company, lots of times things can just go off the wall. Like what I mean by that is that it's not the employee's fault many times when, because they think they're doing the right thing, uh, they think they're working on the right you know, priorities, but like at the end of the day, it's not at all what you as the owner believe are the right priorities. And so having a system in place for understanding what they're working on, that can be just through daily updates over Slack, something like Slack or Skype, but just, you know, understanding what they're working on and communicating to those people what their priorities should be. So I my system is to give them, you know, between three and five tasks or projects to work on, and then they can pretty much decide 
what to do during the day. But as long as they know that it's working on those three or five projects, it's moving things in the right direction and we're on the same page. I, if I assign them like 30 tasks to do, I mean, it could be anything coming back. You know what I'm saying? They could work yeah. on that. That's, that's the main thing. And it's just making sure they're, they're focused on the right things. Are there some resources that you can integrate with Hubstaff that, that helps this management and communication? Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like uh, tre- any of the project management systems, like Trello, Asana, are two free um, solutions. We have like 30 integrations. So if you're you, like Basecamp's one that's paid, for example. Um, but yeah, that that's a pro- those are project management systems that basically uh, help you communicate and set priorities and basically blueprint the project and tasks that need to be done. Hubstaff integrates with those systems so when you assign that those tasks in those systems to a an employee it automatically syncs up in their desktop timer they can then track time to it you know close tasks out give you updates through timers and then basically it'll it'll flow back to the system so and then you know you can pretty much communicate through that third-party system right so it's all about here for uh, entrepreneurs and business owners too to document their processes yeah. and um, just put basically a checklist together to of exactly how you want things to implement and then you can upload it onto for instance Trello right with a video exactly. and, and some instructions. Totally. Yeah, that is exactly my system is documentation it falls on the manager's shoulders to document, spec, uh, lay out the requirements uh, put, that time on, put that time in up front and basically then you can let your people go knowing that they have good direction. Now, since it's a, it's a virtual organization that you're building too, what are some of the strategies that you use to hire members and bring them onto your team since they are virtually, and obviously you're interviewing them virtually, are there uh, tasks or projects that you assign to them as sort of kind of like a test to? Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I like just as an example, I mean, the way that we do things at Hubstaff uh, is basically, you know, and, you know, we hire a lot. We, we set things up as trials. So we'll, for example, we bring on a new, new developer. Um, we'll make it very clear. Hey, we'd like to bring you on as a trial, you know, into a trial. What that means is that you'll work with us for 30 days. It's paid just like, you know, your regular position would be paid, same rate. Um, but we put the trial kind of, heading on there because it makes it easy to part with that person if that's what we decide is best. Um, we typically can make that decision within like five days of work to five to 10 days of working with somebody. Uh, but I mean, we let go probably 60 to 70% of the people that we start on trials. And so we're not afraid. So we, we basically, let's say we get a hundred applications in we might, which I mean, that that's a typical number. I mean, we get anywhere from, we post a job, we'll get, you know, a hundred to 300 different, you know, resumes, for example. So we might start trials with three of those resumes, three of those people, and then we'll end up probably keeping one. Right. So it's, that's how we, now there's a process for finding and selecting those three people. I generally look at at their LinkedIn profile. I can tell pretty quick. So I'll go through all, all 300 of those people. I mean, that only takes like, let's say, less than an hour to just quickly look at them. And, and then I'll shoot a quick email over them asking them a few basic questions. I then like 
over half of them will be weeded out through that process because they won't get back to me fast enough or they'll not take enough time in their response or they'll have misspellings. I can tell already that somebody is not going to cut it. So, and then basically, you know, we'll have an in-depth interview with myself with say five people. Um, I pass on people to the technicals team. They'll have an hour interview with them, pretty much hour and a half uh, with our lead developer and ZTO. If they pass that, then they'll start trial. And then even then we only keep like 30%, like I said. Right. So it's, uh, it's just, but then once we find somebody and we keep them, we keep them for, you know, years. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and that's the thing too. And it's beneficial to both people because you're, you exactly. have a certain expectation and they have a, a certain expectation. So it's on both totally. sides of. Yeah. And I were totally transparent about it. Just say, Hey man, you know, like we're going to bring you in. Uh, that way at the end of the period, both of the sides can make a better decision. You can decide if you like working with us and we can decide if we like, or it's both sides. Right. Now, Dave, for someone listening that has an idea as far as, uh, you know, a software, we've spoken about how to find team members um, and partners and someone that complements or has a different skill set than you do to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. What advice can you share with some of the listeners just uh, from all the success you've had in startups and what strategies can you share with them just to how to how to uh, start and build successful startup? Yeah, so I mean, you know, I think a lot of people's success they find because they hit the right product idea. Um, that initial, you know, finding one or two customers is right. key. I mean, that's that that because if you find, I learned something a long time ago. If you could find like one customer, you can find a thousand. You know, so it it's just a matter of like finding the right product that somebody is willing to pay for and building that product. Now, it helps a lot if it's your specialty. It's something that you're, it solves your own problem because then you understand innately the market and what the market needs. Uh, it really sucks when you, for example, you're trying to build something in real estate and you're not a realtor or you're not, you're not in that market because then you're just, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of just throwing things around that you really don't, you're not, you don't, you, if you're an expert in the field, that's what you, that's when you understand, for example, all the fields that need to be filled out on this certain page, you know, right. you know how to set up the contracts, you know how to do all this stuff, the stuff that software tries to automate, you know, and the thing is in every industry, there's software, there's tons of software in every industry that you can build. Um, it's not a bad thing to, basically build on a model that's already out there. Somebody's already successful, but try to do it different or try to do it better. Uh, that's generally the safest way to go because, uh, you know, the, you already understand that people are willing to pay for the product. Right. You know, you're not trying to just build new Facebook. That that stuff is very hard to do. Very, uh, your chance of success very, very low when you, when you do that. Um, so, you know, just in general, and, and I, I, I led with the product because, like that's step number one. The marketing stuff follows on, but it's very much on the road. Like, yes, the marketing is important, but the product these days, product trumps marketing by like by several hundred percent. You know, in terms of because if you don't, you can't sell. You used to be able to sell something that wasn't that great, and if you had a better marketing team, 
you could win in that space. Now, the better product wins almost certainly. And that's the thing about the information age. There's just so much information out there. And if your product or your service is not cutting it, people will catch on to that very quickly and right. and, and you won't have, have the success. So yeah, you have to try and pr- provide as much value humanly possible with that yeah. product and that service um, to solve that that pain and that problem yeah. that and the, yeah and the easiest way to do that is to like if you know uh, i don't know i can't you know i, I don't i guess i don't want to judge on a specific or try to throw a specific industry out there uh that i don't understand but like you know let's just say real estate you know saying the best thing to do is not to try to build some super product that's going to cover all every need that a realtor is going to have um the best thing to do is to just solve one very small specific product or problem that they are having and then automate that, you know, automate that, that problem, fix that problem and that, and make it specific. And then you can build on after you have success with that. Cause that's going to give you, that's going to be the, cause I mean, software, I mean, you're talking a lot of money to build the a big, uh, solution that covers a large base and it's just going to take, years to do and a lot of money. Well, you don't want to do that. You want to spend, say, let's say $10,000 to get started, you know, five, $10,000. You want to spend a hundred thousand dollars to just, you know, take a chance. Right. So, you know, you want to start small and specific and you can do that with that kind of money. No. And that's another thing because there is a, there is some, some capital involved as, as you mentioned with software. So, is there some testing that, that you've done before, you know, you have this idea and you have this product or, uh, you know, solution yeah. in mind, and then you go, well, I'm going to test this first before I, to see if it's fly, it'll fly, really. Yeah, I had a white label service. I had somebody that had a product that they weren't having success marketing, marketing the product. I came in and I said, hey, I actually posted a job out there and um, – Somebody came back to me and they said, hey, I've got a product like this, but I'm having problems selling it. They were located like over in Lithuania or the Ukraine, something like that. So they didn't understand how to really enter the U.S. market very well, but their product was all right. So I was like, all right, well, let's do a white label deal. So I was going to pay them a certain percentage. Didn't end up working out very well in the end because basically the product was a little buggy and it had – it just wasn't – quite to the level where somebody was willing to pay for it because of the problems it had. But I had like 20 customers signed up for it. I mean, people like, for instance, what I'm, what I'm trying to say, I didn't, I said that the wrong way. I could get paying customers, but they weren't sticking very long and because of the bugs. And, uh, it wouldn't, I already knew that it wouldn't be something I could have thousands and thousands of customers in because I just, I just wouldn't, but you see what I'm saying? I did I yeah. was able to test it. Right. I was able to see, hey, there's a market here. People are willing to pay for this for this for this product. Gotcha. Um, so I did that. That didn't cost me anything. Now then what I did is I got my partner involved. I gave him fifty percent equity, which was one of the smartest decisions I ever I ever made. And basically because then he didn't have to bill me at hundred dollars an hour for you know forty hours a week to build the product that he was spending. Instead, he was able to take a chance, get paid zero, right? Just like I was getting paid zero. We both put a few thousand dollars in and basically came out with a product that, you know, is now doing 
you know, several million. Right. right? Hey, so I, but so I didn't pay anything in the beginning to build it. That's what I'm trying to say. I, I just, we paid, we had to pay a few other developers, but it was, it was pretty nominal what we had to pay. Now, as an entrepreneur, we face adversity and it's not always rainbows and unicorns. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned and the best advice that you've gotten on your journey? Oh man, well I, you know, I just did. I, did, I, I went over a lot of that stuff uh, in terms of, you know, I just said one, for instance, like find. I find that it's better to, it's better to have a smaller percentage of something that has a higher likelihood of success than it is to have a large percentage of something that's gonna you're gonna fight uphill all the time. You know, uh, the other thing I've learned, then this is this is a very important, you know lesson. I mean, I, I've, I've had a lot of, like I had one time I had, you know, $50,000 pretty much stolen from me. You know, it was, uh, it was kind of like a Ponzi scheme kind of thing. Um, I invested in, you know, trying to get money back. Uh, the guy never came back and paid me. Uh, the, it was, I was going to get like 18% enter. You know, what I learned through that was like, Hey, you know, Look at the worst case scenario before trying to look at best case scenario. You know, what's the worst case scenario? If I would have ran through the worst case scenario, okay, I lose 50 grand. The guy never pays me back. Um, I can't go to court. How are you going to go to court and get the, you know, if the guy has no money, how are you going to go to court and get it back? You know, um, I look at that, you know, I might have, let's say I have $200,000 in the bank at that point in time. I just lost a quarter that I've worked, you know what I'm saying, of my life, of my life savings gone. That's the worst case scenario, and that's what happened. So now, what's the best case scenario? I get 18% interest on 50 grand. What is that? You know, let's call it $10,000. So is that worth it? Risk versus reward is very important in business. Now, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skills. What are you currently studying and what skill sets are you currently learning? Um, I, so basically, for me right now, it's all about how to scale digital marketing techniques. And that's what I'm focusing everything on um, is, is scaling digital marketing techniques and trying to make my online marketing skills better attract more traffic um and basically convert more people into paying programs um outside of that it's about you know for me it's all about family and basically trying to keep myself happy and successful on you know my personal side of my life they have a core message in our show is to leave our families and communities and the world better place and we found it by passing down a mindset and values and principles to future generations not just money if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success what would they be okay so i'd say work smart spend time planning what you want to do before you do it uh in the world of programming, for example, that saves so much money and time because basically you're able to like you go in with a good blueprint. You've got a solid base. You everyone's on the same page. You come out with a better solution that that matches that blueprint um, versus wasting all that time and money on something that might not be the right. And then you know just work smart. Work. Make sure that things are planned out before you start is a big one because it just 
it, it keeps them going down the wrong direction um, in many cases. Um, that's one. Another one would be um, reduced debt. You know, uh, I in my life, you know, one of the things I've always done is basically just tried to have as, as the minimum amount of debt possible. You know, my home's paid off, my car's paid off. I do. I'd much rather have a small home than some big mansion that is that I owe a bunch of money on every single month. Um, because I don't want the pressure of having to have somebody come after me. Um, and I need to pay those bills every month. I, I, so if I have a house paid off, that means that I have the ability and the time to go out and, and be creative and to try to do the things that I want to do, not only for fun, but for business. You know, like I would not have been able to build Hubstaff if I needed to pay a big mortgage every month because I wouldn't, I didn't have the money. I didn't make money for three years as I was building this, as I was building the, the company up. Right. So you've got to invest. And in order to do that, you can't be a holding to somebody else and a big, you know, payments every month because then you're just stuck in terms of you can't go out unless you want to do the thing where you're, where you're working, you know, one job, paying the bills with that job and then basically working you know, a few hours every night and the weekends to build up the other company. But that's tough because it, it's just, that's our way to live your life. You know, it's good, but it's a hard way. So those are the two things I'd say really. And then are there any books that you would recommend to my listeners around uh, software entrepreneurship? Yeah. So, well, okay. So not software specifically. Uh, I think of one probably um, a good one to read for software is called getting real. Uh, it's by the guys that founded Basecamp. Um, it's a really good one about you know user experience and what people want in the in the products. Uh, it's SaaS related. So getting real. Another good one that that I would recommend is called um, the 80-20 principle. Um, it's by a guy named Richard Koch or something like that. Um, it's all about you know how you should spend your time on the twenty percent of the things that are going to return you eighty percent of the results. Um, all these real world examples about how you do it, but that, that's really good in terms of spending your day the right way and like focusing on the things that really matter. Um, and then there's another one called scale. That's really good. Um, that's about real more management and how to scale up a company that, you know, how to, how to manage your employees. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. I love the eighty twenty, the Pareto law, Pareto's law. So yeah, big, big fan of that. Dave, how can my audience learn more about you and your company and keep informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? Yeah. So hubstaff.com um, is the domain. Um, my email is Dave at hubstaff. Uh, I'm Dean at on Twitter. Um, I write articles about, I spend a lot of time writing growth articles. So on my blog. So blog.hubstaff.com forward slash grow is um, all of our growth articles on how we online market and how we've grown our company. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show and just sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value to my listeners. I really appreciate it. I had a blast. All right. Thanks for having me. Hi, this is MC Lobsher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals 
build their wealth outside of Wall Street, and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining their capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy, according to the infinite banking concept. If you are interested in learning more, you can email me at info at cashflowninja.com and I will send you a copy of Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Thank you for joining me and my guest, Dave Navot, on the Cashflow Ninja podcast today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with friends, family, and your network. I've really been humbled by your support and feedback, guys, and if there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. I answer all of my emails personally and really appreciate the feedback and ideas that everyone shares with me. Don't forget to take advantage from our partners that aims to empower you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Our healthy partner on it provides supplements, nutrient-dense and earth-grown foods, and fitness equipment to help you achieve your next level of well-being and total human optimization. Our listeners can get a 10% discount with coupon code GETONIT at CashflowNinjaHealth.com. Our wealthy partner, Fundrise, gives everyone the opportunity to invest directly in high-quality real estate without the middlemen. Fundrise makes the process of investing in the highest-quality commercial real estate from around the country simple, efficient, and transparent. You can get started with as little as $1,000, and you do not have to be an accredited investor to participate in some of their offerings. You can check them out at CashflowNinjaWealth.com. And don't forget our wise partner, Audible. You can download any audiobook for free when you try Audible for 30 days. You can download your free audiobook download at CashflowNinjaBook.com. If you're looking for book recommendations, I've put together a list of all of the books recommended by our guests at CashflowNinja.com forward slash books. And for anyone interested in supporting our show, you can do your Amazon shopping through our homepage at CashflowNinja.com forward slash Amazon. It doesn't cost you anything more and it supports our show and operations. We're entering the holiday season now and your support is greatly appreciated. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.